welcome to Phoebe's Ponderings. This is a weekly podcast where I dive into topics sent by our amazing listeners about the theories of American masculinities. So without further ado, the topic that was chosen for today's podcast was sent in from Parson Theory Forever. Shout out to you. And the topic of today is, drumroll please, the role of masculinities. So there was a high request of my viewers who wanted me to interview someone that was really close to me for this. So I interviewed my loving dad for this and we're gonna connect the interview questions that I asked about his life and connect them to masculinities of today's day and age. Now, before we start, I'm just gonna get into the structure for a little bit. So this is gonna be in three parts. The first part, that is early childhood. And then we're gonna go into adolescence when we talk a little bit about my dad's education. And finally, we go into young adulthood when we talk about my dad's working experience. So without further ado, we're gonna delve into part one. Ready, set, go. What attributes did you admire in your parents? My parents both came from very working class backgrounds. My mother had a very interesting background in that she grew up in, in New York until she was 11. Mm. And then her parents who had emigrated when she was a newborn baby, literally weeks old, uh, came back when she was 11. And my, her, my granddad, her father, died shortly thereafter. So she was brought up, and her sister, my, my auntie, was brought up by, um, by my grandma. On my dad's side, his father, my granddad, there died when he was two. He was a coal miner. He died of consumption, although I guess they called everything consumption in those days. But anyway, he died when my father was two. And my grandma brought him and his two brothers up all on her own. So they came from very, very poor backgrounds. And my father's brought up in a, in a mining town called Pontefract, and, um, which was a very poor town. And my grandmother was the poorest of the poor. And she worked very, very hard. So you admire their upbringing then? Because they're both very similar in struggles. Exactly. And they were both very intelligent people. And I give her for example for that. My, um, my, my, on my father's side, my grandmother, she scrimped and saved to send my uh, dad's eldest brother to a grammar school. You had to pay partly pay for that. He got scholarships, but um, she didn't like it because there was a, a lot of stealing went on and a lot mm. of um, um, uh, what's the right word um, bigotry about being poor to him being poor, like uh, a little bit like people are racist today. People, you know, picked on him because he was from a very poor background. Judging the class. Exactly, they were very judgmental. But anyway, he went into the uh, the Royal Air Force during the beginning of the war. And the RAF was so impressed with him that they sent him to Cambridge University to do a degree at their advanced aeronautics. And he was a, an advanced pilot for, for them. And, and my grandmother and everybody were very proud of that. But she comes to a background where, mm. as does your mum's parents, don't really value education. Question is, what sort of things were your parents strict about and why? And was there a difference between your parents' beliefs? So was one parent strict about something where the other parent wasn't? My mother was much more religious and she was brought to a Methodist, a Wesleyan Methodist, and, uh, and insisted on going to church every, every Sunday. My father mm. wasn't, in hindsight, uh, wasn't so religious. He went on Christmas Day. Well, in fact, we didn't go on Christmas Day. We went to weddings and funerals and, uh, you know, important uh, things. But uh, always took me on a Friday night to the church to uh, the Boys' Brigade, which is like a bit like the Scouts in the English thing. 
Mm. Uh, so a lot of fun was there. she more into the routine then? She, my mother was more disciplinarian. She okay. was a disciplinarian. So she was the bad cop. And yes. then your dad was more like a good cop. And then. funny enough, she was a very small lady as well. She was about five foot, um, yeah, about five foot, perhaps even shorter than that. She was a small lady, but fierce. My dad was six foot and is a big teddy bear. <laughs> oh, so he was like the good cop then. He was the good cop. Was so, there anything he was strict about? Yeah, listen, he, anyway, I was coming out. He was always um, threatening to, uh, violence was common in when I grew up. When parents mm. hit the children for being naughty, teachers yeah. did, everyone did. Um, and, you know, when I was very, very young, you could still get killed in England for doing crimes. You can't today. But anyway, so there's capital and corporate punishment. Um, and um, my father always threatened to take his belt off and hit us if we did something really naughty, but he never did. But, like, what do you mean, like, cut, really cut, naughty? Like, what would... Oh, say, say a naughty like, word, or I don't know what, sticking my tongue out at my mum or something. I mean, so my not mom, being my, like a gentleman. Then. Yeah, exactly. My mum would t- t- slap the back of my uh, legs, uh, but my dad always threatened to, and uh, he looked like he could. So basically your mum was there to organise yeah. you and set you up, but like if something really bad, that's when your dad stepped in. Yeah, he, he threatened to, but he never got that far. <laughs> Wait, so he never asked he, you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he just threatened? Yeah, he was the big one. I'll so take were you then more scared of him because yeah, of the threatening? Yeah, he was a big one. Listen, as I said, you know, we were all, all not scared because it was very prevalent. Mm. Um, but my parents didn't, it turned out later, I didn't really believe in that. Uh, uh, so they were very advanced in those days for that. But, you know, it was very common. So I asked these specific questions about my dad's childhood to get the distinction of masculinity and civilization archetypes, which is important for definitions of the masculinity early on in history. For example, I asked my father what he admired in his parents and also what were strict about them to see if his opinions about his mom and dad would differ overall. And seeing how he greatly admired both his parents coming from poor backgrounds and both valuing education was so sweet. Although my mom, his mom's parents, did not value her education, while on his dad's side, education was already valued right then. And I thought this describes Parsons' theory of how men overall are superior over the female since they're more caring emotional and men should take a more physical supporting role you know, valuing education, improving education, moving on, you know, getting a good job, while females should only support emotionally. So I found that interesting how on my dad's mom's side, he, they didn't really value education because she's only there for emotional support, emotional reasons, while on my dad's, her, his father's side, they valued education because he needs to improve to get a good job to help support his family. In addition, my dad was overall more intimidated by his father, even though only his mom physically told him off by whacking if he did something wrong. And I feel like this connects to the theme covered by Gail Benderman's discussion on how the terms a manhood and how it's best described by, and this quote I thought was really interesting, how the term manhood is continual dynamic process Through that process, men claim certain kinds of authority based on their particular types of bodies. And this reading overall talks about how identity is really important, like the identity of a man and how we consider, like humans overall, 
are the most advanced species. And it's like the most fittest for us in civilization is someone who's the most gentleman, who, you know, has like supporting means, can support a family, has, you know, a macho body, is not emotional, is strong-willed. Like, you know, throughout history, the definition of manhood changes, you know, drastically, maybe it becomes a little bit more emotional, but, you know, in the beginning, they have to be really stoic. But the overall theme is that a man has to be the strong factor, has to be the intimidating factor. So I thought that was really interesting connection with what my dad was talking about with his dad. So now I'm going to ask you the second portion, which is about education as a whole. And if there was like any similarities in like maybe high school and college, you can highlight that as well. Okay. Well, I went to a, through the public system. I went to uh, an infant school in the middle of town next to where my father worked. And then I went to a local secondary school. And then I went to a grammar school, which was a bit more elitist. For a couple of years, I um, left after less than one year. I hated it, the discipline. And I went mm. to the local technical college where most people there were doing a trade education, you know, how to be a joiner or, or to be, uh, um, you know, electrical engineer and that sort of thing. But they also did what we called as A-levels, um, which is like, you know, when you did your chemistry You test thing. three subjects, right? Yeah, I did three subjects. You sub- concentrate in three of those. You had, to, you had to do general and studies and, and you had to choose the three. College or yeah, university. Yeah, and then you used those qualifications to, uh, I think it's a bit like your GSATs. And that started uh, your and college that, career. And then went into college, went to university. Yeah. Liverpool University is very keen mm-hmm. on that. Uh, and liked it so much I did a PhD there. Um, okay, so the next question is, did you have any specific teachers that you were admire throughout your oh, education? Oh, and yes, 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 yes. Before you answer, why did you like him or her in the first place? Um... Just like maybe just one or two things. Uh, there there were always people who were uh, dedicated, good teachers, dedicated teachers, but uh, were absolutely in love with the subjects and their enthusiasm just mm. came through. And that's what, you know, drove me. I, I remember at the secondary school, I had a history teacher. I was always interested in history, but he made it come alive. I love that. And a geography teacher, who was also the sports teacher, fair enough, who was a really strict disciplinarian. I always liked the disciplinarians, I don't know. Anyway, I liked his class. He made geography come so, so interesting. And then when I went to the tech college, um, and the reason I did environmental biology, they had a, a botanist. She was doing, teaching us biology, but she was a botanist by uh, nature, and that was her real love of her life. And that's why I've always loved plants. It was because of her. She was yeah. fantastic. But what about her made you want to like major just in that? Because she was passionate? So passion, yeah, exactly. Her passion shone through and made me passionate. Okay. And, you know, just talking so about... So she was very emotive then. Yeah, I mean, when she talked about animals, it was interesting. When she talked about plants, it was alive. It was just different. Okay. I mean, I don't think she could put a finger on it herself, but... So basically it was her passion then uh, for the subject. I I've always liked plants. I remember at school we had a, so we had a competition when we were, uh, when we were juniors. Uh, the, uh, mm. It goes up to the age of uh, 10. And every year they had a, a competition for who could grow the best plants. And, and I remember winning it. I was very proud. I grew a, an orange seed into a little... Okay, so the next question is going to be a bit different. It's added on to the question I just asked you. And it's, did you have any teachers that you didn't like? Oh, sure. And why didn't you like them? Like, were they unstructured? Were they Uh, not? Were they boring? I had some teachers who I think in hindsight were perverts. 
and they didn't like them. And what do you mean by that? Touching us, and you know, we had a swimming teacher who would come round. Oh, were they too touchy feely? Would, we would be going to the change rooms, get changed for the swimming costumes, and he always used to let. He was used to let because we were excited to go to the swimming pool or yeah. games. Uh, we were always excited to do gym, or whatever. He let it get out of hand, and then he'd come in, and just as we took our trousers off, he always come in with a he had a, a long string. He called it stronachy with knots in it. He'd whip our backsides, and it really hurt. Why? I don't know, but I remember one time he had the, he had the misfortune to do that to one of the uh, the school's uh, rugby team, and this lad, you know, we were like five foot nothing, and this lad was already nearly six foot plus, and he did that to him. He turned around and thumped him in front of us and laid him out, hit him on the ground, and normally you get expelled for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, anyway, he was ushered to. We all expected that. Why did you saved. think he didn't? So he didn't get expelled. He did not get expelled. And Why he, do you think he didn't get expelled? Because I think it all came out that he was touching boys and uh, I mean, all that stuff. Yes, it wasn't because the guy was like very big and macho too. He was no, uh, no. The guy was. Doing, or was, was he also, like he was a, a star in rugby? The guy, the guy, he was a star in rugby. Big, very well built lad, and he was bigger mm-hmm. than the teacher, quite a lot bigger. And when he hit him, he put him on the floor. We thought. Well, yeah. he's, he's, so, do you think that maybe one of the reasons why they didn't expel him was because he was like a star athlete? No, they didn't expel him because they didn't want the because scandal. Because of the, the scandal of the, the teacher, thing. then. So, it was. But they didn't that. get rid okay. of the teacher either. Uh, another thing was. Why wouldn't they get. No, why do you in think those they didn't get rid of him? They covered things up a lot. It, it was okay. considered a black mark for school and they didn't want to have okay. that. So this segment about my dad's education, I feel like, ties into the reading of John Casson when he was talking about Houdini and Tarzan and explaining what masculinity looks like in the modern time during that time in because of the entertainment and they reassert the primacy of the white male body against hosts and challenges and how the big macho guy is what is considered manly masculine and I this is the first thing I thought of in my head because my dad was talking about how when he disliked teachers he told a story about how he doesn't like perverted teachers he doesn't like teachers that are very disciplinary and he talked about the story about how the swim coach was whacking them with this rope as soon as they put their shorts down when they were changing and he's like that's so immorally wrong and it took a big macho guy on the rugby team the star rugby player to whack him in the head to get told off to stop that. And he goes on about how like, oh, like he didn't get expelled because it was the, you know, he was doing wrong, which obviously that is totally not okay in today's day and age. But I want to focus on the fact how this big macho manly man, he, you know, bopped him. That's totally okay because he's the big macho manly man, which is what made me think of John Casson's Houdini reading because the perceptions of manliness were drastically altered by, you know, magazines, the entertainment industry. And so my dad thought, hey, that's okay to do because that's like manhood. That's what masculinity is. Masculinity is. So I thought it was really interesting point that my dad was making on how even back then when it was like more radio and the TVs like, you know, just came out, not a lot of technology, but it still was very influential in sex roles and what being masculine is. Now it's on to the third section, which is about like your young adulthood, about right. workforce. Oh. So the first question is very just like a simple explanation. 
like where did you work describe what you did in your job but in very because i know it's a very difficult specific genre so like maybe in a sentence or two okay on how you how you would describe your job okay so um i'm from the north of england and london in england is the big metropolis a bit like Mm. new york i guess in in the states and uh, i went from liverpool i got uh, i wanted to i um i'd come across this opportunity to work for these small uh, investment banks which i'd not heard of until i'd basically blundered along to a presentation um and uh i got i was employed by one and going to london was a big very exciting thing for me living mm. in london and it was i was put in a first of all i was an analyst uh, analyzing things for six months and then they put me in a trading room where they traded currencies and fixed income and things and it was very exciting something i didn't know anything about and it was very fast yeah. moving and uh, a lot of exciting and and some people got paid a lot of money for doing it okay so how many hours would you say on like would you how many hours did you work like say per week oh gosh um just a number the, estimate. The, 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 well the hours in the trading room weren't that long but they started very early so i was at work like about uh i don't know what time we started i think it was five thirty or six so uh, i used to go to work it wasn't much um you know uh, commuting then but going back i used to leave about four thirty five o'clock so um but then you know later on i worked a little longer hours when i you know so it kind of worked like from five to like ten yeah five thirty okay no not till ten o'clock at night till five, five o'clock at night and what were your wages like was it like well i, I it was funny because i when i got my first when i was first they offered me nine thousand pounds which is about equivalent to about twelve thousand dollars and mm-hmm. coming from a small town where the cost of living was low, I thought, oh, this is a fantastic amount of money. And what I hadn't figured in was two things. First of all, London's much more expensive. And secondly, <laughs> yes. then, you know, 50% of it went in tax. So when I got my first wage bill, I couldn't believe there was this huge hole. And then I was expected to live off this summer, you know, for a month. It was quite tough. Did you have to wear a certain, like, uniform or sure. clothes to work? People- and how did you feel about it? Oh, excited! You had to wear suits. Where um, it was very, uh, it was interesting. It was very conformative in one sense, but you could be a bit more glamorous in terms of if you wanted to. You could wear different coloured socks, shirts, ties, and a lot of suspenders. You call America call them braces in England. Mm. So I used to have a collection of brightly coloured braces, suspenders, and you liked and that. ties. And I liked all that. Yeah, and it was nice putting mm. a suit. Why on. did you like it? Like, did you feel like fancy? Or... Yeah, it was just you no. Know, it was just yeah. You felt like really professional or yeah, powerful. Yeah, exactly. Professional. I like powerful. So professional. And it was nice. You felt very professional. I am the girls smart and. Um, uh, you know, what do you mean by the girls? Well, m- when I met your mum in the, the bank, you know, she used to wear very nice clothes. What do you mean by that? Oh, they were very fashionable. You know, I, I wasn't used to big girls in fashion. Oh, so you like the fashionable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone was, you know, like the guys were in suits with these very bright ties and shirts and stuff, and the girls had all these nice high fashion things on. I wasn't seeing it. it was nice. so basically you liked how everyone was very fancy. Yeah, it was nice environment. I enjoyed that. Later on. In- I found talking about my dad's work experience was really interesting, but in particular, the way he described his uniform or the suits they used to wear to work. And I found it really interesting how it made, he was very adamant about the suit they made him feel really powerful and poor and like working really cool. And with the women, he described it as fancy clothing, like, oh, they're so fancy and they're so pretty and everyone's all like dressed up and really fancy. 
And that just reminded me of a reading by Pellet about clothing and how the distinction between boy and girl early on. And I feel like that connects with Connell, with the reproductive arena coming to take more and more of life so that we see reproduction of defining characteristics with how it's important for people to be out to like have sex roles and it becomes early on childhood that's more definition. And this kind of goes into how with femininity and masculinity relationship, it connects to Connell's theory overall that these things are constantly changing. Like with the hegemonic masculinity in the US, we start with men who wore tights, fancy high heels, wigs, right? That's kind of what's pouring masculinity. But now in today's day and age, it's wearing suits, work suits. That's kind of what's powerful and fancy. And that's like pushing our way of the typical masculinity. So it's kind of like no matter what, if females want to be powerful, it's kind of has to connect to the masculinity of like the definition, oh, powerful suits. So it's like, for example, you know, in the 70s and 80s, like the very thick shoulder pads were in and men wore that too. And like, that's what was powerful because that was a relationship. The femininity was a relationship to the masculinity. Anyway, that is all we have time for on Phoebe's Ponderings. For next week's topic, please send it to email at AmericanMasculinitiesIsTheCoolest at gmail.com for a chance for your topic to be chosen. It has been a pleasure to dive into American Masculinities with you all on Phoebe's Ponderings. Until we meet again next week.